Welcome to the Ready, Set, Transform podcast, where you have a seat at the table with CEOs, industry leaders, and tech experts. The topic, business transformation. No sales pitches or marketing talk, just real stories from companies of all sizes and industries. You'll hear business executives' inside view of their company's transformation journey. They'll share examples and concepts that can help you and your business thrive. Get unique perspectives on how leading companies tackle the biggest challenges facing businesses today. Ready, Set, Transform is brought to you by Rise with SAP. Welcome to Ready, Set, Transform, presented by Rise with SAP. I'm producer host Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. And we got an interesting topic for you today, business transformation success priorities. And I want you to remember that word priorities, agile, continuous, and fast. Let me tell you about a couple of headlines I found when I was looking up background information on this topic. I found the following, as the pace of change continues to accelerate, Organizations are searching for new routes to growth. Some of you might say routes. That's okay. Successful transformation journeys will be critical to leading businesses into a better future. And we'll let you all define what better future is for your company. Now, a couple more headlines. To lead a digital transformation, CEOs must prioritize. There's that word. It's another one. To avoid digital transformation overload, prioritize the right company initiatives. And one more, because digital transformation strategy involves so many moving parts. Leaders sometimes struggle to prioritize the key issues and projects. So we've established what we're going to be talking about today. Let me give you a little more background before I ask my two esteemed guests to introduce themselves. As companies like yours in our global listening audience in every industry navigated through the global pandemic, we hope we're at the end of that tunnel. From shops and restaurants that had to adapt to changing consumer behaviors, you know what we're talking about, to large multinational organizations adjusting to working remotely across continents, across time zones, from homes, from kitchens and and wherever they were, they came to recognize that the path to success required business transformation. While each company's transformation journey is unique, They all require agile processes to meet the challenges of dynamic markets and still evolving business needs. How do they get there? Here's the word I introduced in the beginning. The top three priorities, count them for business transformation, need to include, one, leadership alignment on long-term strategic objectives. Okay, I hope you wrote that down. Moving from on-premise software to the cloud. And we've talked on previous episodes of this series about what is cloud? What does it mean to your company? And the third one, and this is very, very important, consistently achieving A-plus delightful customer experiences across all customer touch points, whether you're B2B, B2C, all touch points. So I'm going to have, we are videotaping this on Zoom. So I get to see my guests. You're going to hear them on Voice America Business Channel, but I get to see them. So if I say I'm looking at you, you know what I'm talking about. Angela Massey at SAP. Angela, wave hello, please. Angela, they can hear you waving. They will hear you on the on the audio, I promise you. And Jesse Rothermel at EY. Jesse, welcome. And I'm going to ask them for their insights on business transformation success priorities, agile, continuous, and fast. Welcome to a new episode of Ready, Set, Transform, presented by RISE with SAP. And in case you're wondering, RISE is all caps because it's that important. So let's go to our panelists. Angela Massey, we're so honored to have you here today. You're the global leader in SAP's Rise with SAP Business. Angela, please take a couple minutes, introduce yourself, tell us what you do and 
What's your passion for being here today, and what kind of priorities are really prioritized for you? Angela, welcome. Hey, Bonnie. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, business transformation is just one of those fascinating topics, so uh, I'm really passionate about it, and I think in my 25-year-plus history with uh, one very large organization, SAP, I have had the privilege of working with so many different uh, organizations wanting to transform their business. So today, I run a global team, and we are responsible for looking at customer experience and customer adoption as SAP and um uh, the globe undergoes one of the biggest transformations, I think, uh, caused by the pandemic. But certainly, these are trends that were happening prior to the pandemic. So it's a very, very interesting topic, intriguing, because you get to see inside how so many different businesses operate. And of course, the one thing that I've found in my career is there is no silver bullet that addresses every single problem. It's all unique. Thank you very much, Angela. It is exciting. And and just let me ask you a question before we introduce Jesse. Pandemic happened. Businesses were caught by surprise. Some of them were more ready than others. The ones who already said, ah, digital transformation. Let's get on board that train. Let's talk about something called the cloud. Let's move our business in different directions. Let's become more agile. Are you seeing less surprise in the companies today that we're talking to today, Angela, around the world that we're already on board that that moving train to digital transformation? What are you seeing? Well, I think any, any large organization that has a grip on its business processes is um, more likely to be able to transform in a more agile way. Uh, for me, of course, where I'm focused, it's important that um, you continue to serve your customers well. How many large companies really had difficulties grappling with their supply chain, with how they would get goods and services to their customers and continuously taking care of their customers. So yes, the pandemic certainly sparked a lot of organizational change um, and a lot of it was to the cloud by necessity. These are trends that were anyway happening. The pandemic accelerated them. But I think really the secret sauce for me is any company that understands its own business tra- uh, business processes can transform more readily. Thank you. Very good point. And that was included in some of the headlines I read at the beginning, Angela. Thank you. Jesse Rothermill, you've been so patient. I just wanted to chat with Angela a little bit. Jesse at EY, we are honored to have you here. Would you kindly introduce yourself and what's your passion for our topic? Jesse, welcome. Sure. Uh, thanks, Bonnie, for having me here. Good to both hear and see you. As you mentioned, we're on video. So, uh, hi, everyone. Jesse Rothermill. And uh, I, I work for Ernst & Young focused on uh, transformation. I mean, there's really a conversation, rarely a conversation I go through that the business transformation of some way, shape or form doesn't come up. I focus on trans uh, technology enabled transformation, primarily working with ERP solutions, SAP being the prime one. Happy to be here with Angela today. Um, and, you know, I think you said it well, Bonnie, you know, the, the transformation that's occurring today, especially post uh, COVID and post pandemic, um, is uh, something we've never seen before. I think what's amazing to me is this term that companies used uh, for the past, honestly, decade around digital transformation. We're doing digital transformation and our ERP solutions and technology solutions need to help enable that. A lot of people had trouble envisioning what that really was until we got to the pandemic. And all of a sudden, um, this need for visibility and ease of integration and working with other clients, et cetera, all of a sudden was at the forefront. 
And to your point, uh, Angela, the, the companies that actually understood their processes and the technology that's behind those processes and where things were breaking down because of that visibility had a huge advantage. Uh, where others who just hadn't taken the time to even look at it, right, and hadn't taken the time to simplify, move to the cloud, um, have more visibility on their interactions with their customers, they're, they're, they have seen a lot of pain, right? As simple as understanding where inventory is moving through their supply chain, things that they took for granted, um, new issues occurred because of the pandemic. And I think they finally saw, hey, this is why we need to have better visibility. Thank you very much, Jesse. Appreciate that. Now, this is the part of our conversation where I have asked Angela and Jesse to pick a quote from a fictional character in a movie or TV show, hopefully something we know, if not we're going to learn together, or from a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And they're going to relate the quote in their own words to our topic. So let's have a little bit of fun with this. Angela, you have picked an iconic line. It is five words. It was stated by the actor Roy Scheider in the 19th. 75 movie. Do, 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 do. Does anybody remember that? It's Jaws. He played Chief Martin, Martin Brody. But actually, it was ad-libbed by Roy Scheider and became part of the film because he kept inserting it into the dialogue. It was a trouble production, and apparently the producers were cheap, and they needed more of everything. So people started saying, you're going to need a bigger boat. And Roy Scheider kept popping that in and the editor kept it in. And it became one of the most 100 top movie quotes of all time. Angela, you're going to need a bigger boat. Please tell us how this relates to our topic today. Angela Massey, go ahead. Oh, thank you, Bonnie. Well, firstly, the Jaws movie itself has a lot of um, sentimental memories for me as a child. Um, I know that sounds very strange, but it was one of the first movies I was allowed to see as um, a young teenager, and uh, and I absolutely loved it. But, of course, there were several iconic lines from that movie. My favourite is, we're going to need a bigger boat. I don't think I've worked on a, on a project, uh, no matter how small or large, in the last 25, 30 years, where somebody hasn't said that line in a project meeting, in a, in a boardroom, it, it, it's come to mean everything from we're going to need more coffee all the way through to we're going to need a bigger budget. So it's just one of those um, one of those remarks that is so into the vernacular now. Human beings take it to mean it is synonymous with I'm going to need more. We're going to have to give more. We're going to have to do more. We're going to need a bigger boat. It just means everything. And it's also got some funny connotations, um, uh, particularly in the context of, of project budget discussions. Very interesting. I hadn't realized how important it was to, to meetings and discussions and businesses. Thank you for that. And thank you for the personal history on that movie. I appreciate that, Angela. <laughs> Very interesting. I don't know how often an actor gets to say a line that's being quote unquote bandied around and just dropped in, as you said, vernacular or in the chat in the production itself. And they say, hey, let's put that in the movie. And credit goes to the, there was a female editor who said, let's leave it in, in a few places. So thank you, Angela. And now we get to use it whenever we want. Jesse Rothermel has sent us another iconic line, 1969 song by the Rolling Stones, the album Let It Bleed, song written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, named the 100th greatest song of all time by Rolling Stones magazine back in 2004. Jesse, I don't know how it's fared over the past 17 years, but here's the line. Jesse, I'm not going to sing it, but you can. You can't always get what you want. 
But if you try sometimes, well, you just might find you get what you need. Woohoo! Jesse, <laughs> love these stones quotes. <laughs> Obviously, when I said have fun picking a quote, you took me seriously, and I appreciate that. Jesse, what does this have to do with our topic today? Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. So, so number one, 100 is way too low. It should be higher than that, right? <laughs> so in my opinion. And I can tell you, everyone's always got these quotes that kind of relate back to family and, you know, where you came from and all that, Angela's as well. I, I can remember my mom singing that song to me uh, anytime I was kind of reaching for something that wasn't really uh, in our, you know, family budget, et cetera. So relating back to Angela's uh, comment around the, the, we need a bigger boat. I think this comments around, hey, you better find the things that actually fit in the boat before you set sail. And so you mentioned early in the discussion, Bonnie, um, prioritization as one of the keys to business transformation. I mean, that's why that quote comes to mind for me. Um, you know, we work with so many companies who want to go through massive transformation. And, you know, first, it takes them a long time to get aligned to that transformation and want to do it. You know, there's resistance. And then all of a sudden, once the transformation looks like it's going to happen, everybody wants to get what they've got onto the boat, to Angela's uh, point, right? And, you know, I think the quote is, you know, sometimes you're not going to get it. You're just not going to get what you want. But if you, you know, if you try a little harder and try to prioritize the right things into the transformation, um, into the implementation, et cetera, you know, you just might find you'll get what you need. See, I won't sing it. <laughs> fact, if I had a quote from my mom, I would have played her singing it to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's where that one comes from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Did there's so it? many more good lyrics to that song. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate the joy both of you put into picking your quotes. It really makes the show, it really, really pops the energy here. Thank you very much. Now we're going to get to the very serious part of our conversation. Angela Massey, I'm looking at you sent me six wonderfully detailed statements, as did you, Jesse Rothermill. And we're going to use these as conversation starters. So I'm going to read Angela's first statement, which I put in the chat for you, Angela, here on Zoom. I'm going to read it. Very interesting. And once you take about three minutes or so, expand it, unpack it, as they say, it's newsworthy. And then, Jesse, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I'm going to put you on speaker view here on the video. I'm going to say, Jesse, agree or disagree with Angela. Now, Angela told me you can disagree with her on three statements during. I'm only teasing. That's it. I'm I'm only (laughs) teasing. Sorry, I had to say that. Maybe I didn't. Angela told me the following. Here's the statement number one. The pace of transformation is increasing. Project timelines are shortening. Ten years ago, transformation programs could be expected to take upwards of five years with value being delivered in major phases and sometimes with the value not being delivered until the very end. Today, ah, similar Similar programs have to develop value and deliver it much more quickly with payback expected. Wait for it. Wait for it. One or two years. Wow. That's an expedited timeline. Angela Massey, please unpack for us. Go ahead. Yeah, well, actually, one or two years is still considered these days quite a long, uh, quite a long transformation project, particularly in the digital world. The expectation is that you'll be able to transform a single process, so a group of combined processes. But I I think when you look at the pace of change uh, that we're experiencing today, I know it's it's um, a lot of it is informed by the the global pandemic. But as I said, these are trends that were occurring previously. We were going in this direction and you could see new methodologies sparking up everywhere to accelerate the pace of business transformation. 
a lot of organisations also became very tired. Um, the pace of business change, the pace of the, the change um, just in the normal business world was so fast that it became impossible really to wait five years or even longer uh, for a business transformation program to conclude. So organisations needed this payback uh, more quickly so that they could remain competitive in the face of fast-moving change so they didn't have the opportunity to just wait around. So there's all new ways uh, coming out for how to deliver that business change, something that I'm sure uh, Jesse encounters every day in his his day-to-day world dealing with some big organisations. And uh, the other thing I think, Bonnie, I'd like to mention here is Mm -hmm. that both large and small organisations go through this rapid change. It isn't the province of large companies. Small companies do have to transform themselves as well. And we've seen multiple different ways in which they've done that. There's um, every, every uh, I think everyone in the industry that we work in, which is more like a technology-based industry, understands that agile methodology is meant to also mean faster change or faster ability to change. Thank you, Angela. Very, very interesting. And I'm wondering if there was shock and amazement about companies saying, well, we've remember companies used to have a 10-year plan. Angela, mm. am, I going, am I dating myself here? Jesse, a 10-year plan, a five-year plan, a three-year plan. Now it's, well, 12 to 24 months. Get on board. We're going fast. Agile? Come on, this is this is a fast-moving bullet here, and you mentioned there's no silver bullet. Angela, I'm so happy you mentioned for our global listening audience that it's not just the province of large companies, mm-hmm. that small companies, and it might even apply to planning for startups, right? They thought they were going to do something, and then bingo, they've got a shift as well. Jesse, love to get your POV on this. Join us, please. I think, uh, you know, Angela's spot on with, companies we work with saying we want to transform at speed, at speed, at speed, make it as fast as possible. And it's still fine to have a 10-year plan, but that 10-year plan better be in some increments that actually show value. And those increments can't be much longer than a year, you know, or even less than a year, like Angela talked about. But I, I would say, the you know, we've gotten to a point where technology allows us to make those changes at a pace um, like we didn't see before. The, 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 <clears throat> changes on the organizational side, right? The organization's got to be ready for that transformational speed, right? And I debate the two biggest things that stick out for me is one, you know, our organization's ready to make the decisions required to transform quickly and stick to them, especially with some of the uh, companies I work with that are globally, you know, very globally diverse, have run different processes in different regions forever, right? Decision-making allows you to change quickly and then the ability of your people to actually absorb that change. Um, you know, you, if you can hit those two things, the company I, I typically tell the companies we work with, then we can talk about how fast we can go. Very, very interesting. And it always comes down to people, doesn't it, Jesse? We call it change management. As you said, how fast can your people go? And that brings up an interesting part. We're seeing now the era of resignation. Oh, my. Right. And we're seeing people reevaluating their jobs. Right. Oh, my. And the remote workforce who wants to go back to the office, who wants to go back to work at all. So who are those people who will come on board that fast moving train and help the company? Angela, anything you want to say before I move on to one of Jesse's statements? 
No, let's go to Jesse, Bonnie. Let's go to Jesse. Well, the word agile has been popping up and popping up and popping up. So, Jesse, I picked your statement number two because let's do a little bit of a dive. Everybody's probably here tired of hearing say, "Oh, you got to be nimble. You got to be agile. Got to be able to change on a dime." Well, you want that dime. Jesse says agile means different things to different people. Agile, from a transformation perspective, is to be able to evolve in a nimble fashion. I want you to define nimble. Agile, from a technology perspective is a new way to work with the business on implementations. And here's the caveat. Jesse says, they don't always jive. Okay, Jesse, talk us through this. Agile, nimble, what are we talking about? I mean, agile is one of those terms that uh, you can use for just about anything in the technology and business transformation world these days, right? And this is one that, you know, as an implementer of technology solutions, you know, EY gets caught in the middle of, and I'm sure um, Angela SAP does as well. You know, there's a, a very firm technology term around agile development um, that came out of the development of a lot of, I'll say, you know, user focused solutions um, that are out there that companies use to do digital transformation, whether it was implementation of um, sales and marketing tools or online tools to order, you know, to order product, et cetera. Th- there was a design mentality that said, hey, let's get the business in here right away, the business. We'll talk more and unpack that later. Let's get them in here right away to, you know, see the solution as we build it, touch it, feel it. And, and you know, and essentially, you know, only focus on the things that they really want. And that agile methodology became a big thing. And that agile methodology, everyone said, hey, we got to use that more in ERP. Because when we do ERP implementations and back office solutions, the business goes away for, you know, six months. And all of a sudden, you know, we've put a solution in front of them and they may or may not like it. And everyone said, let's use agile in that sense, because agile in that sense must mean we could transform faster. To some extent, it does. Some of the concepts of agile are great. Getting the business users and the process owners and everybody else back in front of the solution as quickly as possible works really well. But you're, you know, especially in the SAP space and these ERP solutions, you're talking about a big integrated solution. Um, and you need to be very thoughtful about, to Angela's point earlier, what those value drops look like that you're going to put together that create an integrated solution that actually brings value to the client. So I think, you know, we're getting there. I think agile as a term relative to ERP implementations has been around much shorter amount of time. But I think we're starting to understand from both directions what those two terms mean. Thank you very much, Jesse. Angela, dare mm. I ask you, agree or disagree with Mr. Rothermill? What do you think? Oh, I wouldn't dare to disagree with Jesse, to be honest with you, Tommy. Um, on a serious note, he's absolutely he's absolutely nailed it. Um, one of the big differentiators between who can use Agile well and who can't is the organisation that understands to make it work, they need to bring their mm. business people in multiple times into the uh, project cycle or the development cycle um, or the business process cycle. Um, and and organisations can be very, very successful if they can do that. So getting those organisations to change is also another big barrier. You can be full of good intent to go agile and then find that the company actually isn't ready for agile. So this is an important point to firstly educate your customer about what is agile. And most organizations do want to go faster, but they also want a quality result. So there's a balance in there. So yeah, it's a phenomenal methodology, but as Jesse said, it means different things to different people and you've got to bring the business in multiple times and they need to be ready to step up, lean in and do that. 
Thank you. I'd, I'd be interested to see what hiring notices look like these days for a company that is on this path. Can you see them saying it's not business as usual anymore? Come in and expect to be part of an agile team that is moving forward, that is dealing with supply chain disruption, that is dealing with the need to speed up ERP, that is dealing with a lot of internal culture change management. Can you imagine what that, and it probably would be an exciting job offering. What don't you think, Jesse? I, I mean, I think that's not just the offering for the companies I work with. That's the offerings that we have out there for to hire employees at EY, right? You need to understand how to do that. And you need to understand the process and the processes that companies use to train, you know, wh- where do they want to be? What are they trying to get to? What's their corporate strategy? And once you have that strategy, what processes work best for them? What is best out of the box? And what are the, what's their secret sauce? Where are they going to differentiate? Those are the kind of people we want that understand those nuances. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I want to jump to one of Angela's favorite topics here, because Angela, when you and I met before we started recording the show today, and we are, it's November 1st, so we everybody knows where we are on the, the human timeline, on the historical timeline. You want to talk about customer experience, and we'll get to a little more about cloud later. So Angela, I'm looking at your statement number four you sent me, and this is interesting. You say customer experience has recently moved to the forefront in business transformation for many companies. Customer experience is not a soft topic. I'm going to stop there and let you take that and unpack it for us. Angela Massey, go ahead. Jesse likes this. <laughs> yeah, I think that this is something that we're um, we're all very aware of um, in in our industry, and we're seeing a lot of global organisations really come to grips with that. Um, so, firstly, I think customer experience meant different things ten years ago, five years ago, and last year, and and so. Um, we all like to talk about the digital age as, as giving us some real advancements. One of the real advancements it's given is many organisations who operate in a pure B2B model, so that is business-to-business model, they're now reaching directly into their customers' inboxes and beginning to or wanting to have a B2C, a business-to-consumer relationship. This is really changing the shape of how customer experience works these days. We're getting to the point where... If you buy a car, you can personalize that car mm-hmm. online. You can see what that personalization looks like. You can change the color, the alloys. You can option it up. You can option it down. And you can press a button and the car arrives. I mean, this is just phenomenal. Um I think this is one of the most exciting parts about the whole customer experience journey. It's the good side. The downside of that is that with the internet, with social media, poor reviews, one, more, hundreds, they can break a business. They can kill an album. They can kill a movie. They can they can um, kill your business uh, reputation. So it's suddenly becoming incredibly important to make sure that wherever your organisation touches your customers, you have a reasonable level of customer service, the customers understand what you're providing to them. And every organization needs to face that. There are big organizations such as, um, let's take a good example, uh, Haute Couture. Who would have believed before the pandemic that you could buy Haute Couture uh, online? Who would have believed um, uh, until the last couple of years 
with the onset of vaping, for example, that there was more ways of, of getting nicotine than, and now there's multiple ways and you can go online and order a new vape um, uh, machine or whatever they're called <laughs> with all the inserts for exactly. Um, so uh, customer experience is changing in a vast number of ways. Um, you're, you're, you're seeing large organizations of all types across all segments including public sector. Public sector is now very interested in citizen experience. And all of this needs to come into um, your touch points with the customer or the citizen, how you're recording that information, how you're improving continuously, and what kind of experience is your company providing to your customers. And it better be a good one, because these days, if it isn't, it's out there for everyone to see. So well put. I'm glad you brought in social media, Angela. Very, very interesting. I, I once was, when I was in New York on Long Island, going out to dinner with a few couples. There were three couples. And I had selected a restaurant. And one of the women and the other couple said, oh, I read the Yelp reviews and they were terrible. I don't want to go there. And I said, well, I was just there last week. I had a wonderful experience. The food was delicious. The price is reasonable. The waiters were charming and efficient. The restaurant is clean. It's only a block from where I live. You can easily, there's plenty of parking. And she said, no, I read 25 negative reviews on Yelp. We're not going there. And I said, but you know me. You're going out to dinner with me. And she said, no, I believe the people on Yelp. So, so much for that. We went somewhere else. Jesse, rescue me here. Jesse, thoughts Hi. on... Oh, customer experience. What does it mean to you? Go can't, ahead. Can't save you, Bonnie. But, um, <laughs> you know, and I won't, I don't want, I'm not going to offend Angela at all, who's got customer adoption in her name, because I think customer experience overall is huge and much bigger than it was in the past, right? And, but I do think at the same time, as we go through these transformations, there's a difference between what we kind of call user experience and user interface, right? User interfaces have gotten much nicer and look better than what they ever did in the past, and that's great. The user experience part is what we need to narrow down when we when we implement technology to do business transformation. Who are the, you know, on any project, I, I you know, there's a lot of people who work, um, you know, I work a lot with manufacturing companies, Bonnie, right? Um, there's a lot of people in the plants who could care less if the solution ever changes, right, at the shop floor level, who want to scan things the way they always did and really don't need a better GUI or a screen or anything else. You know, what you need to do is focus on the people who are in your supply chain, including end users and customers that you sell to, but also people you work with from a supply chain partnership perspective, and figure out what are the top, I'll say, five customer experiences you want to change while you do your business transformation. Hone in on those, understand what those people's interactions are day to day with your system. What does it look like? What do they want to get out of it? What's the most painful part of their experience? And if you can impact those top five, this is what I tell a lot of the organizations I work with, you're going to see some serious results. Thank you. And serious so it's a focus and prioritization thing. Serious results are what we're all looking for. Angela, anything you want to say back to Jesse before we move on? Oh, I think Jesse's Jesse's articulated it pretty well. Maybe, maybe just one one comment. Yeah. Um, I I think as you go through business transformation these days, if you're not thinking about customer experience as you embed it all the way along the value chain, this is Jesse's point about what are the five top things you want your customer to experience when they're interacting with your organisation. Um, this is a, becoming increasingly a deep part of business transformation. 
What is my customer going to see? How are they going to benefit from that? And most global organizations and local organizations understand that and they are looking for ways in which they can embed that customer experience now all the time. So it needs to be routine. So, yeah, it's a big topic and, and booming. Thank you. And very important to our conversation. Thank you, Angela. Jesse, I'm looking at your statement number five and let me read it. It's brief and to the point, which I appreciate. And then you know, have, have you unpack it. We'll see what Angela has to say. Angela, you are allowed to disagree with him on this one. He told me this is your third. Okay. Jesse says business transformation as a service. I'm not accustomed to seeing that put together in the same sentence, Jesse, has become a focal point for many companies. This requires a different way of thinking about how to produce, how to modularize the components of an organization's selected enterprise platforms. Are we talking cloud here, Jesse? Talk to me. Oh, as a, as a service is another one of my favorites. Um, it's just become, uh, to, it's come to mean so many different things, right? When you're in the, in, yeah, Bonnie, there is some crossover with the cloud space, right? When you talk about platform as a service, infrastructure as a service, what mm-hmm. does that all mean? I think a lot of that for the last 10 years, we've spent um, as, you know, implementation partners, et cetera, trying to unpack that. And we all kind of align on what that means right now. But now we're getting into bigger concepts as a service, right? And this is not, not even just with our customers who are, are a lot of them changing their business models to operate as a service themselves. So business transformation to selling things as a service, the software companies and, and um, consulting partners are thinking the same thing. You know, we have customers who they want to pay, you know, for the drink instead of for, you know, the, pl- the full plumbing and everything else. Right. So they're saying, hey, with all these software packages I invest in, I've got enterprise platforms, I've got people who want to do business transformation. How do I interact with my partners to sell things as a service, right? Um, And I think what's become interesting is, you know, various vendors offer to our companies that we work with various things as a service. And what's become the most difficult part is orchestrating those services across each other, right? What I mean by that is, you know, I've bought application A to do this, application B to do this, application C to do this. And it's great. They all sell me different things that help me get to an objective, um, but how do I pull them together? How do I get the end-to-end story? And I think that's where, you know, we spend a lot of time as EY helping to, to you know, kind of uncover that. And I know Angela spends a lot of her time with her customers trying to figure that out as well. But I think that's becoming the more complex nature right now of the beast, right? It's just we, we have so many things sold to us as a service. It's now up to us to kind of meld them all together and make them work, right? And so that's uh, that's my viewpoint. We'll see what Angela says. Well, Angela Massey, you're up. What do you think? Join us. Yeah, I mean, does that mean does that mean ERP can now be provided like Netflix subscription services? Um, that's the that's Nirvana, right? Um, <laughs> I, th- I think we I think we know that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Jesse's quite right. Again, I'm sorry I can't disagree uh, with Jesse. This is exactly what we're seeing today. Um, any, any large global organization, and we're talking a lot about large global organizations, but this is true for medium-sized and small organizations as well, uh, they all want to subscribe to a service. These as-a-services do make life very convenient for customers. 
Um, this is not just from the enterprise themselves, the, the, the organisations themselves, but also in the way that they serve their customers. And the, and the knock-on effect, the positive knock-on effect, hopefully, of cost savings, easier to do business and so on. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you have Netflix and Disney and several other subscription services, you ideally don't want to have multiple different remote controls to operate them all, and you would like to have one interface that brings them all together and one remote that allows them <laughs> to work well. And, and that's really a focus of our work today, trying to help organisations cut seamlessly through that, walk um, the fine line between getting the absolute best of both worlds. I can bring in all of these subscription services, but then I can also um, govern them, orchestrate them and deliver them out to my business and to my customers in the way that I want. That's the big challenge. Thank you. As far as remotes go, if only, I'm down to two, <laughs> Angela, but if I want my cable box, I have to use the I won't tell you what the name of the provider is, the big clunky one, but I first have to select their channel, their cable channel with the little streamlined one that comes with the with the cloud with you know with the Netflix and and the other services, the skinny one, I have to select that and then I go to the big clunky one, but I can only increase the volume on the little one even though I'm using the big one. Does that make any sense? One controls the volume, the other controls the cable channels. Don't even ask. I don't want to go there. Jesse, anything you want to add? I want to move on. We have time for, I think, one or, one or two more. No, that's perfect. I cut the cord on cable a while ago. I still never remote that solves everything else. <laughs> I need it. Thank you very much. I feel inspired. Angela, you sent me a very provocative statement. I know we've been talking a little bit about moving to the cloud and subscriptions, but I have to read this one because I just want you to talk about it. Jesse, Angela told me renewals is the new black. She said, as increasing numbers of organizations move to the cloud, they're moving into subscription contracts of typically three to five years, option to move to another supplier at the end of the contract are becoming easier, which means the customer experience takes on a more serious mantle for suppliers such as software providers and consulting firms. Angela, let's talk about the new, whatever it is. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, Let's go back to uh, something that most of us, uh, uh, Jesse obviously is cut ties with cable, but um, most of us have some sort of uh, cable service and that we, we pay a monthly subscription fee for that. So um, Jesse referred earlier to the business transformation as a service or the infrastructure as a service or the platform as a service. These are simply subscription-based models in the business world and they are proliferating everywhere. Um, I think the interesting thing about that is that uh, once upon a time, if an organisation such as SAP or EY had a relationship with a big organisation over many, many years, it would be on a completely different basis. Now, there are three-year contracts which are um, fairly short-term contracts. You can get five-year contracts. And it's all about making your customer happy so that they want to renew with you. A lot of organizations are moving away from their old business models and over to these subscription-based models. And a subscription-based model is like anything. A customer can vote with their feet at the end of the contract. It might be inconvenient. Think about changing telephone providers or utility providers. That's annoying, right? 
but you do it because you don't like the service you're getting from a particular organization. The same is true now in the business world and, and particularly in the world that Jesse and I are living in, the ERP world, where ERP can be provided as a subscription and that subscription can be renewed, which is why that's what we all want, um, or can be moved to another organization. So increasingly as um, consulting organizations and software organizations offer these subscription services to their customers, they must make sure to secure the renewal, which might be three years away, from the day that they sign the contract until the end. The service is good, the customer experience is good, otherwise no renewal at the end. So yeah, renewal is becoming pretty important in our world. Very interesting. We've heard for years, Angela and Jesse, that keeping an existing customer is far less costly to an organization than having to go out and buy a new customer. Are we still talking about that? Jesse, want to comment on renewals? Yeah, I mean, we may be crushing the concept of uh, uh, paralleling this to cable and uh, new services, et cetera, but I think it's a pretty pretty accurate um, comparison. You know, I think the big thing that I see is, uh, I'll just come back to it. Angela's got the right mindset. Customers are moving in that direction. The biggest thing for us right now is the companies that we work with who are making that shift, helping them understand and the people that work for those organizations understand what that shift means. What do they have the ability to change now? What can they put together? What do they need to kind of take us, I'll call it out of the box. How does that change their day-to-day jobs? It's much better for a company to be on something that's renewable, like like Angela talked about, subscription-based and much smaller chunks versus long-term capital investments. That's great. But then you got to figure out what it means to the people as you implement it, right? And I think that's what we're seeing a lot, Rob, in, in, in my area, in my neck of the woods right now. So that's great. Thank you very much. Angela, anything you want to say back? I'm going to squeeze in one more topic here before we finish. Angela? Oh, no, let's, let's, I, I mean, no, Jesse's nailed it. We, we need, um, and by we, I mean uh, SAP, we, we need our business partners such as EY and their tremendous um, experience around business transformation and orchestration to help organizations make those difficult decisions. They're, they're critical. Um, so, no, totally, totally agree. Let's get to the last topic, Bonnie. Last topic. This is interesting. Jesse says ERP transformation business cases have typically been built on operating efficiency. They are evolving to align with long-term corporate strategy, M&A, right? Mergers and acquisitions, global diversification, tax benefits. Oh, my. Jesse says this requires a different top-down approach. I used to do, I used to was a programmer analyst for years, Jesse, and we did a top-down top structuring. Down. Yeah, top-down to business case construction. Jesse, briefly, what are we talking about here? How uh, many this, elements? This is straightforward. I think um, in the past we've seen from a business case perspective, um, when you're trying to build a business case or business transformation and the technology behind it, uh, for years, a lot of it was around operating efficiency and building from the bottom up. It was basically saying, hey, at the lowest levels in finance and supply chain, et cetera, what are we not good at? Why do we have 50 people doing something that could be five people? And how do we quantify those benefits? And once we quantify those benefits, we put them out in front of the, the technology costs and the people costs and the other business benefits and said, hey, this is, is going to look OK. And everyone said, yeah, that's going to look fine. 
Well, everyone's gone through a lot of that efficiency, right? I mean, I'm sure most organizations you talk to could still tell you where they've got some back office deficiencies or where they could improve, et cetera. But a lot of that's been rationalized down. It's been outsourced. It's been turned into shared service centers, et cetera, on the back of ERP platforms. And what we're seeing now is um, let's look at what the corporate strategy is that's 10 years out. That doesn't need mean the implementation plan needs to be 10 years out. But where are you trying to go as a company? Are you going to be an acquirer? Are you going to divest companies? Are you going to globally diversify into areas you never did before? Are you going to move like we just talked about from, you know, concrete products to subscription based services? Um, you know, and then take that. What are the business benefits of that? And then look to solutions like SAP to say, how can I get there faster? And that's the business case. Those business benefits you're going to hit at the with the ultimate transformation, right? How do you tie that back to the implementation? And that's how we're seeing a lot of, of, of companies that we work with now build their business case. I think it's the right way to do it. Thank you. Angela, thoughts? Yep, absolutely. I think necessity is the mother of invention in many of these cases. And uh, our dear friend, the pandemic, has driven a lot of this necessity to move to um, stay away from, let's say, more of a, a cost-based models where you have to... Uh, put in a lot of capex investment and to an operating-based model, so it's given a lot of flexibility to organisations. It's it's enabled them to uh, move more flexibly, start to transform more flexibly. But at the end of the day, they need to have their business transformation, uh, their business processes well understood, so that they can move in the most efficient direction for their priorities. And I do believe that it's also had a lasting impact. It wasn't that long ago, and I'm sure Jesse will have experienced this as well, that um, I was working anyway with a large global chemical company that owned a portfolio of organisations that was very, very broad spread. Um, was that really the main thing of their business? Why, why, would, why would they have a lavender farm in Tasmania when um, they were a chemical company? But they did. So it's given a lot of organisations the opportunity to stop, think about what kind of um, footprint they want to have, what's their main thing, and target towards that instead of diversifying and, uh, and broadening their base in directions that are really not fundamental to their business. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, Jesse. I have one quick question for each of you, a yes or no answer. If we met again one year from today in beginning of November 2022, I like the ring of that. Will we still be talking about helping companies understand business transformation success priorities? Angela, we still be talking about it, yes or no? In one sentence, I'll give you. What do you think? Yes, I think so. Um, I hope by then, though, that we are talking about the value of doing that rather than the process of doing that. Ooh, interesting. Jesse, wrap up. What do you think? Yes or no? And why? Yes, absolutely. The priorities that we try to weigh, though, to get there are going to be completely different. They change all the time. Interesting. Thank you very much. Angela Massey, 
It has been an honor getting to know you. Thank you for your thought leadership, for your energy, for your passion, for articulating so many important factors for our audience to understand. Jesse Rothermel, I'm going to repeat everything to you that I said to Angela, and you heard it there. So thank you so much for your time, for bringing your expertise and your passion. The energy both of you have shared with us today is so important for our listeners to know that this is real, that they need to care, that this is not a dry topic in a webinar somewhere, that real people have real insights about this to help them move through their business transformation. Shout out to series sponsor. Let's have a round of applause for Lucas Escudo. Thank you very much, Lucas, for putting this together. And Brian Duffy, president of Rise with SAP. I hope to meet you at some point in the future. Thank you to our engineer at Voice America. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another very interesting episode of Ready, Set, Transform, presented by Rise with SAP. Angela, Jesse, for the video, wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Ready, Set, Transform, presented by Rise with SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments using the hashtag RiseWithSAP. That's R-I-S-E-W-I-T-H-S-A-P. Or email bonnie.d.graham at voiceamerica.com. That's B-O-N-N-I-E dot D dot G-R-A-H-A-M at voiceamerica.com. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a great week.